Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage. Ah, uh, we're here again for a Monday. How are you, everybody? Thanks for joining us. If you're a Frio fan, you're up and about. It looks like the worst of the weather has gone through for the early doors. There is a bit over the city as we speak. It's pretty dark, actually, down there. But if it gets past, I reckon we should be right. In fact, that might have already passed us by along the coast. Uh, if you're listening in Bunbury, which I know a lot of you are, you're actually being hit as we speak, I'm led to believe, by some pretty hard weather. So please drive safely and stay safe. Morning, everyone. This is Tim Gossage with you. Don't forget... You can always get in touch with us on the Sporting Goss here at SENWA. And that number, numbers 13, 12, 55. That's the number you ring if you want to come on air and have your say. And text away, because we love a good text. 0487 736 736. Chris Clafunas is the producer. He's in the studio. Alex is pressing the buttons. Couldn't find anyone else to do it. Um, <laughs> oh, waiting for the waiting. For, no, he's got nothing. <laughs> nothing. He's got nothing. It's, it's what we're talking about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh hey. no, that's just a that's just a grasp. That's, a that's just grasping cop out. Quick, find a button. How Push are you? it. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. How are you? Yeah, very good. How how did we survive the morning this morning? Gillies, as we know, has done two hours on the snow. Yeah. At Falls Creek in Victoria. And we have been here slaving over a hot coffee, which we didn't have until our man, Geordie, Geordie. Nazo from the sales department. Incredible effort from yeah. him. Didn't get much out of Sarah or Lil. No. They came in empty-handed. But Geordie, Lazy. he came in big time. They're not listening, which is good. We've got these studio mics. We can say whatever off. we want. <laughs> <laughs> so we've survived with a coffee because the local city view. Closed. Closed on game day. For those who are coming, we've parked a million miles away. I've parked over there. Mm. You've parked down there. Yep. And over there is closed. Yeah. Because it's game night. Big game tonight. The Eagles taking on North Melbourne. What have we got? What have we got coming up? Big show, actually. Uh, Nicole Bradkey, yep. of course, Aussie tennis legend. Talk more about that amazing historic win from Ash Barty. So Gordian, your co-commentator yeah. for the West Coast Fever. She was flat. Wow. Yeah. Flat as a proverbial Carter's hat. She was on Saturday night. They were they were down and they weren't great. They weren't great. They didn't. They'll bounce back. Yeah, absolutely. We'll Been be a tough couple of weeks for them. Yeah, so. West Coast Fever will join us. They're back-to-back uh, losses. First one at home for a while. Yeah. It was a good crowd, though. Six, over 6,000 people there. Yeah, that's But good. there was not a lot of noise. Mm. Netball's one of those things when you're up. You, so when your team's up. You're up and about. You're up. But when your team's down, when you should be up to get your team, which is down up. Yeah. But you're not because you're down because they're down. But if you're down and they're down, mm. then that's not an up. Exactly. But when they're down, you've got to get them up by getting up. Yeah. But at the moment, that's not netball. No. And I'd like to think, speak to the netball community. Yeah. That when your team's down, you can't be down. You've got to be up. You've got to be up. Because if you're not up... Then they're down. They're down. Exactly. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself. No point getting up when they're already up. Because, because that's they're just, up. They're already up. They you don't want need to be you. up. So if they're down, Correct. they go up. That's exactly the words I was thinking of. <laughs> so that'll be, that'll be interesting to hear from Sue Gordian. Looking forward to uh, your chat with her. Peter Watkins. Yeah, good story. This is a great story, good isn't story. it? Now, I think you is, mentioned it in Gillian Goss. Yeah, this is the Yapoon Swans mm. who play in Queensland competition. Now, Yapoon, for those who don't know, is 700k north of Brisbane okay. and 700k south of Townsville on the coast. So smack in the middle of those two. Beautiful. And they are the Yapoon Swans set a record on the weekend, 100 consecutive wins. It's a, an Australian – well, it's the first time ever yeah. they break the record – Round two this year for 89 consecutive. No other team's ever done that. 
So you can have your bloody purse. What? Oh, hang on. Uh, you can have your wildcats. <laughs> We're talking about success. This is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get around them. Do you get around the caddies? The Yapoon Swans. Yeah. Hundred wins Chat, on the trot. Chat, chatting to the prayers later. Wouldn't have thought that that, bro, uh, that record would get broken any time soon. Uh, Alicia Mollick, we spoke to her on Gillian Goss more about oh, Ash Barty, of course. We might uh, have a listen to that once more. We might even listen to Joel Selwood again because yeah, he not? was great. The Can Geelong we to captain. Go on then. Okay. Go on then. This is, for those who listen, who, I know there's an exclusive family who listen to Sporting Goss, mm. but there is another show that's on the radio station. I don't know if you know, but it's called <laughs> Gillian Goss. Right. Between six and eight. Huge. Yeah. Sounds all right. It does. Uh, Milwaukee went on a 16-0 and 0 run in the la- in the third quarter to the currently lead 98-76 against the Suns. The Suns were coming back a, a tiny little bit yeah, there. 16-point run. Blowing out again. Yeah, very go. nice. Uh, that's in game three of the NBA grand final playoffs. Uh, it's 2-0 uh, Phoenix, but it looks like it's going to be 2-1. What else we got? Kate Bartlett. Oh, good One of our favourites. One of our. One yeah. of our. Yep. Goal kicking, like goal kick, goal kicker extraordinaire, I yeah. should say, for Peel Thunder yeah. in the Waffle W. Yeah. They won the grand final Did yesterday, of course. Yeah. I don't think she slept. No, it didn't sound like it. No. So we're going to wake her up. Yeah. For old Katie Bartlett. Uh, and she's got the uh, Mad Monday happening down at the footy club. So if anyone is in the Mandra Peel region, avoid David Gray's arena <laughs> because the girls are messy. on the rampage. <laughs> and watch out for Bartlett. Yeah, she's, uh, she's going to time on for is sure. Is that it? That's is that That's a it? Good show. Pretty big. That's a damn good show. Pretty big show. Yeah. I've got all bases covered there. We're gonna try and catch up with Minwoo Lee as well in Scotland. Minwoo, brother of Minji. Hopefully we can yeah. get him if on. If we say that, he'll never come on. He <laughs> hates being known as the brother of Minji. Uh, all right, now just have a listen here. Now this is Dan who's on the text. Thank you, Dan. Zero four eight seven seven three six seven three six. Goss. That's me. Yeah. A lot of talk about a soft run home for the Tigers, West Coast, etc. Thing is, the teams from 7 to 12 on the ladder are inconsistent and can't really be expected to win more than 60% of their games. Long story short, there are no soft draws. Agree. Agree. But the ladder, Dan, the ladder looks like this, Dan. So Melbourne 52, Bulldogs blew the chance to go uh, above them. So they're second 48. Geelong are 48 coming here to take on Frio. That's no easy... That, that, You'd, you'd, you'd tip Frio at home, I would, on Thursday. Yeah, right. I have. Brisbane, Brisbane top them. No, they're no good, mate. They're no good, you blokes. You, you're, you're the GBA, GMBH, whatever you call yourself, stadium experts, and that's where you, that's where you leave it. When we listened to uh, Joel Selwood this morning, he didn't sound confident. I don't think he's coming. No, I don't think he is either. No, I think there might be something going on there. That's with a good Selwood. question from you. The veterans, are they uh, sticking, staying home? He's like, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Very wishy-washy. Yeah. They're all staying home. Gave us nothing there. They're bringing the kids. Melbourne on top. Bulldogs second. Geelong third, 48. Brisbane, that's a shock loss to St Kilda, 44. Yeah. Then Port Adelaide, 44, fifth. Sydney are now two games clear in sixth spot. That is that's crazy, isn't it? huge yeah. for them. They're a good I like watching them. Yeah. Don't you think their red shorts, white jumper, old traditional look that they had on yesterday looks so good? Yeah, I like it. That's yeah. the best away strip of the lot. It is. That's okay. All, All right. right. You tell me another one, better one. You can't. Can't do it. No, exactly That's right. the best so, one. You know what? You just say, Goss, I agree. <laughs> well done. Good from you. You know, you know why? Uh, on the... Alex. Because I am the... On job. Yeah, on job. He doesn't have it on the button, but he's always got an excuse. <laughs> anyway. Rightio. I'm the king. <laughs> I'm the king. Rightio. Seventh, Fremantle 32, 97.3%. And West Coast are eighth on 32, 95.3. St Kilda are ninth on 32. And then GWS 
on 30. Now, let me just say that that draw that they had earlier in the year, Jadellis, that could bite them on the backside here. West Coast win tonight, they'll go to 36. They'll be beating North Melbourne. They'll they'll win, even the weather. You'd think so. No, 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 I know so. (laughs) Oh, wow. I'm not as confident as you. They're playing North Melbourne, mate. Yeah, yeah. Right? So Fremantle... Have you seen West Coast play in the last couple of weeks? Oh, pretty rough. West Coast now. Yeah, I'm going North. Who have they played in the last two weeks, West Coast? Bulldogs. Doggies. Who lost on the weekend? And? And Sydney. Sydney. And who did Sydney beat? Dogs. Oh, yeah. From West Coast... (sighs) Uh, no, that home, home game. Crowd in. Mate, full, they're playing North Full Melbourne, crowd. Mate. Yeah, big shock loss coming, isn't it? It's going to be a huge well, why shock Why are you doing loss. that saying that with a smile on your face? Who do you back for? Because I'm imagining this audio getting played tomorrow when West Coast run out 10 goal winners. You they smash me. Whole lax North Melbourne tonight. It'll be, you know what? Mm. Got a really good vibe. Cripps and Ryan will combine for 10 goals tonight. <laughs> that's That's... That's a big, that is a big call. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Ten goals for Jamie Cribson and Ryan combined. combined. Uh, I wouldn't have thought that's happening. Okay. I haven't loved the form so much that Jamie Cribson has so, been in. So Fremantle, West Coast and Kilda, maybe GWS vying for a spot in the eight. Rule a line through Essendon, Richmond, Carlton, Gold Coast, the lot. They're gone. So now there's three into two doesn't go. No. Fremantle, West Coast, St Kilda. Yeah. Right? St Kilda have won their last three. Yeah. West good. Coast have lost their last two. At least tonight. Fremantle have won three of their last four. On fire. So who's in trouble? West Coast. Okay. They've got a big game tonight to prove their uh, their the capable of booster. making the finals, they just don't go, they? Yeah, oh, yeah. What yeah. else is coming up? That was a good win for Fremantle, speaking of percentage they boosters. They were very good. They were excellent. Nat Fife up and about. The the Gillian Goss curse, officially broken, by the way. Officially broken. I think we mentioned it, but Ash Barty, Nat Fife coming on and 200th game played an absolute blinder. It's just um, going great guns. Danny Ricciardo, just a matter of time. Play like he was asleep down back. Did you think he looked tired? (laughs) I thought he was refreshed. He had a big sleep in. (laughs) had the extra hour that everyone else had. Uh, Chris, Mm. I want you to come back in later in the show. Sure. And I want you to dissect what took place at Wembley Stadium today. Okay. And what I will say off the top, for those who don't know, it was England, as we know, who have been beaten by Italy in the final of the Euro on penalties. And if you want to see disturbing pictures, the England soccer fans, you have just undone any support you deserve. Because let me tell you, the behaviour, kicking Italian soccer, and they were massively outnumbered, of course, as they would be. Yeah. Massively outnumbered. And for me, that's almost further proof that you punish the English Football Federation and you say, guess what? You ain't hosting the final next time. You won't. There'll be no money coming through you. There'll be no opportunities. We'll host it in a neutral territory and then you're on your own. Yeah, 100%. That was terrible what I saw those pictures. If you haven't seen those pictures, some of the treatment, yeah. unbelievable. It was going on all match right from, I think even just before kickoff, the fans were, there was disturbances outside the stadium as fans were trying to break in and, and get into the ground, uh, obviously without buying any tickets. There were some you know, scuffles with security and whatnot and it just went on for the entire match until they obviously finally broke through at the end. Yeah, I, I understand, you know, the, like the, it moves around. It's not... You know, it's not going to always be there. But what I'm saying is that should be just punishment that you're done. Yeah. If you, there is any lined up for Wembley or if there's any chance that, they're, they're out of hit the them running. In pocket yeah. And punish the fans. And that punishes those decision makers because if they don't get punished, the fans, for this treatment, 
uh, it was it was scary seeing some of those young faces of it- Italian soccer fans coming out knowing full well they were walking into an absolute poop storm, mm. and they get beset upon, and they just lame ass security there just sort of ushering them back in, kicking them on the ground, yeah, disgraceful and big, disgusting, obese, yucky, vile. Mm. Soccer fans, which just brings the sport back down. I know it doesn't just happen in soccer. I know that, so I'm not. I'm not talking about that. Yeah, I agree. Morning, Goss and Chris. Are there any updates on Luke Valente getting his chance? He booted three goals for Peel on the weekend. Also, I'd like North Melbourne by four points in the wet, mate. Please, please, Mike from Palmyra. On you, Mike. Mike, zero four eight seven seven three six seven three six. Mike, first couple of things. Mm. One, well, Valenti's, you know, about the place, but he's just got to string some uh, good form together. Uh, two, you can't be tipping North Melbourne to beat West Coast. It's not going to happen. And three, <laughs> I did. never address Goss and Chris. This is not Chris' show. <laughs> I'm just oh, giving you the I'm king of skiing. That's what they call me. <laughs> king of skiing. This morning. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. For those who don't know, this morning, when we're talking to Gilly this morning, mm. you were very bullish about your skiing. Were you taking the mickey? Oh, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I always do though. That's so you can you ski? I'm I'm I love skiing. I'm not bad at it. I can do it. Yeah, I can go down the black runs and, and everything like that. I'm not I'm not the king of skiing as I was <laughs> claiming to be, but I bloody love it. It's fun and I'm I'm not I'm okay. So Gilly, Hold my said, own. Gilly said to me, Can I ski? And I said, mate, anytime I don't have control over my legs, mm. like skateboard, rollerblades, yeah, ice skating, skiing, surfing. No, it's a no go. Nah. And yeah. I've got good, got good foot eye, hand eye coordination. Yeah, yeah. I can. Oh uh, hell yeah! Well, the wife threw me a mandarin last night. Yeah, go well, on. I think she threw it at me. <laughs> sure, but I caught it. Nice. Hey, reflexes of a cat. I caught it. I got, I got, I got jukes all over me. I was <laughs> <just> <laughs> that hard, straight through the mitt. It was one hundred three to eighty two. So Milwaukee are going to win this game. Yeah, hey, Chris, good chat. Yeah, great chat. It's done away with about seven guests that we were planning yeah, to have well, on the show. I've got to reshuffle the, the whole rundown. <laughs> 17 past 10. Let's hear from Adam Simpson, if we can. Adam Simpson, of course, uh, he will be in the coach's box tonight. The West Coast Eagles will be winning tonight, no matter of how far. He spoke to Gillian Goss on Friday. Perhaps your game plan is outdated and you need to evolve. What, what do you think about that? Oh, it's, it's an honest question, I suppose. But, I mean... If the effort and work rate's not there, then it's hard to execute your method. Um, but we've still got to look at the method as well. So we're always doing that. Um, you know, we have a pretty um, honest conversation about that, but it's, it's hard to judge. After the Richmond game, we are looking OK. That was two games ago. So we've really been exposed the last couple of weeks. So it's a, it's a good reminder that um, nothing is as good or as bad as it seems. So we'll, we'll look at it without jumping the gun too much. But, um, yeah, we need to perform in a more consistent level to really judge our style of play. The crowd's returning to Optus for the first time in a few weeks. What does that mean to the players in the club? Oh, look, yeah, it's, it's, it's important. It's important across the competition if you can play um, in front of a crowd. Financially, it's, it's been a bit of a struggle um, for everyone. So <clears throat> yeah, the game Monday night, I'm not sure what the weather's going to be like. I think it looks a bit rough, but uh, the opportunity to get um, a full house is great and it's great for everyone. So. Yeah, we obviously didn't have the crowd against the Bulldogs and we missed the crowd early in the <coughs> the derby early in the year. So, yeah, getting a crowd would be great. Second serve for Barty. 
for the championship. Plishkova's backhand goes to the slice of Barty up the middle of the court. Plishkova's forehand is in. Exchange from the back. Plishkova into the net and Ash Barty is a Wimbledon champion. Talk us through that match point. <laughs> I can't remember it. <laughs> um, <laughs> It, it took me a long time to, to verbalise the fact that I wanted to, to dare to dream it and say I wanted to win this incredible tournament and, and being able to live out my dream right now with, with everyone here, this has made it better than, better than I ever could have imagined. Um, I had, it was just, uh, I mean, I, I didn't sleep a lot last night. I was, I was thinking of all the what-ifs, but I think when, when I was able out, coming out on this court, I felt uh, at home in a way, and I think being able to, to share that with everyone here, to share that with my team is incredible. Well, there it was there, Ash Barty, and of course it's been, well, so heralded, so highlighted and so much love for Ash Barty and her wonderful achievements of Wimbledon. I'm sure one of the most excited has been Nicole Bradkey, who knows what it's like to be at the top end of Australian tennis and, uh, well, I'm sure, Nicole, you are pretty still very much like the rest of the country pumped up after that outstanding weekend and that outstanding couple of weeks for our Ash Barty. Oh, absolutely. I'm just absolutely thrilled for her, for her family, for her um, support crew that that uh, she has with her. And I just think it's a weight lifted off her shoulders. Um, we all knew that she had the game to be able to win Wimbledon. She did 10 years ago in the juniors and fast forward to now, she was able to do what uh, her, her idol in Yvonne Corley did. So I think uh, the nation and Ash herself should be very, very proud of herself. It's not just tennis either. It's a great Australian sporting moment. And, um, you know, she's just... just Lovable. Everyone loves her. There's no, I mean, in fact, as she barracks at Richmond's probably a downside. But the, <laughs> the, the bottom line is she's just so lovely. Every time you hear from her, she's all giving of her time. And you look at the box, and I know it's different when we're in a COVID crazy world, but you look at yep. her support network and there's no A-listers sitting in there. There's no, not jammed to the rafters, packed to the rafters. It's all very subdued, all very low-key. She is. She's like that, though, off. There's no frills with Ash. Um, you know, she in her downtime, what's the thing she likes to do? She loves to, to play golf. She loves to put herself um, on the couch and watch the cricket and the football <laughs> and all those sorts of things. Fashion and all those things are not on her radar. She would much rather be out there hitting a golf ball and, and, and just watching sport. We saw her last year at, mm. at the finals at... Um, in Brisbane when Richmond were playing. Um, you know, she was out there. So I think she's very relatable um, to, to most Aussies out there. And when she does give a press conference, she's not angst about about things. She gives her honest appraisal of what, what it's like. And, you know, if it happens, it happens. And I think it's just a great way. She's taught her mind how to be and she's gone to a place where she can be really, really happy. And, and that's okay. Nicole Bradke, our guest. So, Nicole, what more can she achieve? And just talk to me and the listeners in regards to how difficult it is. Now she's got the French sorted, she's got the she's got Wimbledon sorted. What will drive her now? Is it is it Grand Slams? Is that what she does? Or will Tokyo and winning an Olympic gold be her real genuine focus now? Because it must be really difficult to get up after you win that dream event 
and so much talked about, you know, as you mentioned, Yvonne Gulogon, Corley, the 50 years Indigenous, wearing the dress, the hype around it, the difficulty getting there uh, with the COVID world and travel and all this sort of stuff. Or do you think she will go to Tokyo and genuinely go as hard as anyone else to win gold for Australia? Oh, absolutely. And the Olympics are going to be different. I'm not sure. Obviously, she won't have her whole team there. So it'll be a different kind of team. She'll have the Australian players around her watching us and the Australian um, Tennis Australia who have sent their um, people to look after her. So she won't have her normal people around her, but she will have everyone um, in the tennis community, obviously, you know, helping her out and everything will be there at her, dis- her disposal. But I think any time anyone wins a Grand Slam in the current climate is even tenfold a lot better because just of the situation that they're under. But she has the tools to be able to, um, you know, there's not a lot of airs and graces with, with Ash and she can get up in the morning and, and that's all okay. It's not, um, if things aren't going to plan, I think she's really well equipped to be able to deal with these, these sorts of things. And I think she's going to reset her mind. Winning an Olympics would be another great feat for her to be able to do. But we all have to remember that she's not going to win every single tournament that she's going to play. She's going to have her off days when she wakes up in the morning and she's not feeling that great. And that's okay. Um, We just have to sort of applaud her when she does really well. Yeah, no doubt. This is really difficult one to answer, but I just mm-hmm. I, you probably know her mindset better than many. Do you yeah. think she will be a long-time player in tennis? Do you think she'll – she doesn't strike me as someone who will be like Serena or Venus Williams and just play forever and a day. She'll achieve yeah, no, what she needs to yeah. achieve and then she'll go, you know what – the fun's gone. I've done what I need to achieve. I just want to go back to being Ash Buddy, just to knock around, spend some time, you know, with my partner, my family, my mates, and and do what what you can do. Life is okay. I, yeah, there's a lot more to, to to life than actually hitting a tennis ball. And I think this year is going to take um, a lot of toll on on everyone, mm. um, just because of having to be in bubbles the whole time. Where you know, at a normal tournament, they would go out, they would go to their favourite restaurants like to go to um they would be going and doing some other things in their downtime where they can't do that i mean ash probably would have liked to have gone and played golf maybe on a day off just even nine holes but she probably couldn't have done that at wimbledon so it's all those sorts of things that she can't do so she'll go to tokyo maybe in a week's time because they're going to leave it to the last minute to get there and then from there um she'll head to the u.s and then she probably won't come home until um, after the US Open. So that's a really big chunk of the year not being at home. I know that she's building a house um, in Queensland. She loves her dogs and all those sorts of things. So um, I know it's a small price to pay to give up to, to follow your dreams and to do what you want to do. But, you know, those mundane things that you really like to do can play a really big part in the success of, um, of your career. Tell us about Craig Tizer. Um, I don't know him all that well. I mean, he was around sort of... Um, I just think he's been a really great calming influence. Mm. He's got an older head on her shoulders, which on his shoulders, which she likes. And I think um, he just keeps things really, really simple with her. And, um, you know, it's just been a great match, the two of them. And they appreciate each other. And, you know, it's hard being with someone day in, day out the whole time. You know, they like to go off and do your other things and then, and then come back and 
and reset. But, um, you know, they've been spending a lot of time together, um, you know, over the, the months that have gone on. So I just think he's a really good, calming old head on his shoulders and I think that's what she, she really likes and needs. When Cadell Evans won the French, uh, won, won the Tour de France, everyone went out and bought a bike and everyone became a cyclist. Do we see the same <laughs> when someone like uh, Ash Barty uh, wins at such a big uh, tennis uh, tournament or wins Wimbledon, which we think is the one that everyone wants to win? Do you think it changes the landscape for tennis and the sport in Australia? I hope so. I mean, we, we normally get a buzz in January when the Australian Open's on and then um, after the Australian Open's on and the year starts again, the school year starts in February and you tend to see um, a lot more of the, uh, the tennis courts being used. There's a lot more um, classes, um, coaching um, on a lot of the courts. So I'm hoping as I drive around and I go past the tennis court that I certainly see a lot more kids out there playing. It doesn't matter what ability, you've always got to start young and you never know, um, you know what we can produce in the future. No doubt. Appreciate your time. I know you've been writing it all the way, you were very, very, you were very faithful. You didn't deviate once. Yes, you thought she was going to win. Waver. You did not waver one single moment. We've erased all the tapes. We've absolutely just said no. From day one, Nicole Bradkey said that it would be Ash Barty at Wimbledon. You were spot on. You are the expert. Appreciate your time. Have a great week. You too, Tim. <laughs> Nicole Bradkey. Well, it's great to pick up the paper this morning and find the back page photo is Waffle W. League Premiers, back-to-back former Thunderdogs or Waffle W champions once again. It is great that the girls in our local footy competition have received their true support and true accolades across the uh, the media landscape. And then you look inside, and there it is there, more photos. And our very good friend of the sporting goss is Kate Bartlett, who's been kind enough to join us fresh from, of course, her part of being a part of that team. Congratulations. What a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful moment for you yesterday. Thank you. Yeah, it was a good win. There's nothing like going back to back, especially from our 2019 season, being on the bottom of the ladder. Uh, so nothing better than winning back to back. Big night? Yeah, just a little bit. What time did you finish or haven't you? Um... <laughs> actually can't really remember. <laughs> where do we find you? You're at work, um, preparing to train. Um, where do we find you as we speak right now, Kate? Uh, just, I'm just chilling in bed. <laughs> nice work. Tell us about the day because, you know, it was a, the grand final was moved a week, of course, but it was, a, it was a fairly dominant win, wasn't it? You beat the minor premiers. Everyone, we spoke a couple of, uh, couple of months ago. We talked about they being the team to beat, of course, Swan District's. 5-6-36 to 2-3-15. You kicked the first goal. And almost from that point onwards, albeit it was low scoring in that first half, you seemed to seem like you were in control. Yeah, well, after the lockdown, I think we were a bit worried that it was going to impact us. But um, it actually worked out good. We got a good rest having the two-week break. Mm. Um, but we didn't miss a beat training every weekend and during the week. And we ended up getting a training session on Monday night before we just went into um, lockdown as well. So that was all good. And as you said, yes, one district set the standard all season. So I think going into yesterday, it was good that we had a really good weather 
uh, day compared to the semi-final that we versed them. So I think that gave us a bit of an edge. And then obviously having the home ground advantage and all the um, Mandra fans down as well mm. really helped us. Mm, no doubt. You also obviously have, you know, you have your AFL influence as well coming into it as well, Sabrina Duffy and, and a couple of others. But it's not just them. It's not just them that, that top up your team. It's the ones who have been with the team all year and haven't played AFLW. You've had a taste of AFLW. Was it again another level up grand final day from 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 the regular season? Yeah, definitely. Just just finals in general. Um, playing at Waffle W just goes to another level. Um, everyone, the adrenaline's pumping. Everyone wants to win, and everything's on the line. So everyone's going a hundred percent. Your coach, um, tell us a bit about his journey. Yeah, Steve. So I he was one of my assistant coaches uh, back in youth girls when I was about sixteen. And he's been at the club ever since. And obviously he came in in 2020 to coach us. Um, had a big job as we finished on the bottom of the ladder in 2019. Mm. And he turned things around and really inspired all the younger ones. And um, he'd do anything for any of us. So as he he deserves his back-to-back premiership. Yeah, Steve Markham is the coach, of course. Came from the bottom. <laughs> now go back-to-back. What's his uh, What's his coaching um, MO? How does he... You know, what's his style and... What's his philosophy in regards to a game day preparation? I mean, just tell us a bit about Steve Markham. Yeah, he's really into making sure that we have a routine and it's the same every single week. Um, he's pretty good at giving a good rev up and he also does like get really into it and has a good cry probably every week, I reckon, before and after the games. Is that right? He's a bit emotional. Yeah, yeah, he does get very emotional. He's really into it. Do you really cry? Good. Do you cry, Kate? No, no I don't cry. <laughs> Actually, I did... All right, I had about one little tear after the game. Did you? Um, after the siren went, yeah. Did you? Oh. You got to. Yeah, be you rude did. not to. No, nah, be rude not to, <laughs> to put on the, the theatrics, the the emotion. Um, tell us a bit about your performance. How did you go? Yeah, I think I did pretty well. Um, knew that it was going to be a challenging day. Uh, who I go up against, she plays on me every time we versus Swan District. So we always have a, a yarn all day. But... Um, Look, I think we had some really good forward entries and the ball was down there a lot, which made my job a lot easier. Mm. What do you want to do now? Does it, does it give you the taste to re-enter the AFLW? Uh, look, if the opportunity came, I'd take it with both hands, but at the moment just enjoying the celebrations of mm. winning yesterday. Where did the celebrations end up, Kate? Uh, so we were at the club too. Uh, very late at mm. Peel. Um, we had a lot of the people on the board there celebrating with us. And then we went back to um, one of the girls' houses mm-hmm. for kick-ons. And where's the? Is it a Mad Monday today? Yeah, so we've got Mad Monday today, and that'll be at the club again. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a a theme going, and uh, whatever you've got to dress up as whatever the first letter of your first name is. Okay, okay, so K, 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 <laughs> K. Are you going to share with us? No, I'm not going to show Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. Don't be like that. What time What time? Are you, what time did you get together? Um, 11 a.m. Mm. You won't make it. You won't make it. You'll, oh, really? No, nah, you go back to sleep. That's the end of you. You'll wake up at about four. <laughs> you'll wake up at about four o'clock and go, I've missed it. No one saw my K. <laughs> All, right. All right. I'll be interested to know. I'll be interested. Send pictures. We want to see, we want to see what you're dressed as for K. <laughs> All righty. Hey, congratulations. Thanks for taking our call. It was not easy. When we actually tried to get you, we were told, can you do a pre-record with a last night because it's going to be a big night and a big morning. So 
You are very. Yeah, I did. I did try to ask. Yes. Did you really? Oh well. You know what? You are very disciplined, and we appreciate you taking our call after the win of Peel Thunder in the Waffle W. Great win over Swan Districts. Great year. Well done to you on your season again. The leading goal kick in the competition and outstanding again yesterday. Congratulations. Party hard and and go get them and and play hard, play safe, and we'll do it again soon. Thank you for having me. Eagles tonight against North Melbourne. AFL Nation from 5.40 is the first bounce. Thursday night, it's Fremantle versus Geelong. And on Gillian Goss this morning, we spoke to Cats captain, Joel Selwood. I reckon our next guest might uh, enjoy the touch of the snow. I reckon he's a snowman. And I'll tell you what he was on the weekend. I saw a wonderful post on social media. We're talking about Joel Selwood, the wonderful captain of Geelong. They're heading across here for Thursday night's fixture against Fremantle. I saw him sitting in the car with his beautiful wife watching local footy. It was actually quite humorous. I'm not too sure whether Mrs. Selwood was all that pumped. Joel, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Morning, guys, and uh, enjoyed the intro because I do love the snow too, and Gilly, I'm quite jealous yes. that you're up there at Falls. The best mountain in uh, Victoria Slopes. Um, but yeah, I headed off to, to be honest, we sort of, we, we, we went out for dinner in Geelong and we live down in Barwon Heads now, which is about half an hour out of town. And, uh, we come into Geelong and we, we did about the 5.30 sitting. So we drove home, we got fed really quickly and we drove home before seven. So we fell across that under nines game accidentally. <laughs> what's, your, uh, what's your forte of, of skiing? Oh, Gilly, Gilly's uh, about to hit the slopes in about oh, 55 minutes. What's your forte, uh, Joel? What's your, what are you good at? No, I'm not good at any of it. But uh, no, I do try. I, I love to snowboard. And I've, the last couple of times we've been up, I've had a go at that. But I'm more comfortable on the skis. Hey, Joel, good to talk to you, mate. Thanks for coming on the show. I do know you're a huge uh, friend of Falls Creek, the resort up here, and maybe even Astra. You might even stay here, do you, when you, you come up here? I'm not sure, but what I do need to do is thank you officially on air. You were the man, you were the original go-to for mm. my uh, pursuit, and a, and a mm. tough pursuit it was, of, mm. of Gary Ablett Jr. I got a hold of him, <laughs> got him on the focus. Uh, it's wonderful to finally be talking to you, mate. Uh, didn't play... Uh, last uh, the, uh, the other day against Carlton, but uh, shaping up okay. Should be firing over here, uh, oh, over there in uh, in Perth for the game against the Dockers, mate. That's it, Gilly. Yeah, I mean, we had um, obviously understanding that it was a five-day sort of turnaround for our guys, just like Frio. Um, but being 33, I sort of, um, my body might not be going as well as Dave Mundy's at the moment, but... Uh, <laughs> He is just playing exceptional footy, but we decided that uh, on the weekend it was my turn just to uh, manage the body and be ready for uh, come Thursday night. So, and I have to apologise. I'd hate to be Gary's manager because catching him on the phone is one of the hardest things to do. Uh, <laughs> he set me a task and uh, we finally got him. We did. We got our man. It was a good, uh, good bit of teamwork. Hey, mate, you mentioned the five-day turnaround. Your coach had some um, comments and a point of view. He feels that, or was quoted as saying, if you shorten the quarters, we can go to five-day games, Thursday night footy, um, and, and that's going to allow that to happen. But with the current length of games and the current scheduling, it's a bit too hard to do. Have you got any thoughts on that? Well, I've sort of, I mean, we got, only because we got a taste for it last year, and it, it may not need to come down that short, but um, I just I, I hadn't watched that much footy um, in my life. I don't think I was watching every night basically for a period of time, and 
um, and watching the full games. Like nowadays, I'd probably turn off during half time or three to- quarter time if the game gets a little bit disinteresting. Um, so I'm, I've, I've always been a, a fan of just bringing it a little bit shorter. Um, and then, yeah, allowing us to play, you know, Thursday all the way through to even tonight, Monday night. And in this crazy COVID world, Joel, which we're seeing now, which is going to affect a, a number of teams, in particular, the, obviously, the two Sydney lineups and not being able to fly in and the hard borders with New South Wales, there's been a bit of a push from some of the spouses that they want to have more input in regards to where games are played possibly, how they're played, uh, family inclusion and the, uh, and the like. Do you subscribe to that theory or, uh, or is that already being... Have, are those conversations already being had with you know, your partner and, and those who have got children and, and bigger families and the like? I mean, it, it's an interesting one because we always just think it's about the team and the club and where they play and the families can please themselves. But it is a it is big picture, isn't it? Oh, you, you do understand that it's a big business. Um, but I, I must say the AFL have done an unbelievable job in um, trying to manage all stakeholders through this period, whether it be sponsors or, you know, the clubs especially. But the clubs have done a great job in working with the AFL and making sure it all works. And, and being in the situation that the Swans and Giants boys were last, like this year, we were in it last year, but... It, it would help if they could uh, manage to get their families down because I, from the looks of things, it's not they're not going to be home anytime soon um, with the way that the numbers are uh, heading in Sydney at the moment. So hopefully everything gets worked through. From a player's point of view, it, it just does make it a little bit more easy just having uh, the travel party along. Um, but Gilly's probably a better person to speak of it, having um, been all over the world and and probably wanting the family there at different stages. Yeah, that's right. It's funny that often on tours, uh, the guys that uh, wanted their families there, the, the families weren't able to get there, and the guys that didn't want their family or partner there, they were the ones that turned up, funnily enough. It's, a, it's an interesting situation. But um, Hey, mate, um, obviously Doc, it's Thursday. We've mentioned that, and they're coming off. Uh, they'll be chock full of confidence after finally getting over the top of the Hawks down in Launceston after some failed attempts uh, in previous years. The run home for you guys looks good, doesn't it? Uh, I mean, that's that's not an easy uh, easy assignment on Thursday. But after that, you, and you finish the season with three home games, mate. So sitting equals second. You must be feeling pretty good about the outlook. Well, you feel good until Thursday night and then you start getting a bit edgy again and making sure that you, you just work on what's ahead of you. I mean, even over the weekend... I, I don't do footy tips, but I would have got a lot wrong on the weekend. Yeah, Um, yeah, it's just one of those things. You've got to stay in your lane uh, right now and just, you know, focus on what we can control, which sounds pretty boring. But it's uh, it's one of those things. We may drop one um, in these next the next period of games, but we we still do have some contenders that we come up against over the next three weeks, especially with uh, Fremantle and then also the Tigers uh, the next couple of weeks. So you talk about you sort of, you know, the ageing body and the early 30s and, and you know, the five-day break. Are you anticipating some of your similar uh, sort of veteran status players maybe not coming to free, to play Fremantle Thursday because of the short break and they would have played on the weekend? It's a good pick-up, Tim, but uh, I'm not sure if uh, it will work out like that. The boys have actually been going really well. Um, 
the, the older boys. I know we have a number of them uh, going around at the moment. But uh, I couldn't see too many uh, changes this week with... Uh, myself and Luke Dalhouse were managed on the weekend, so there may be two changes, but it, probably not many more than that. And when do you when do you anticipate coming into Perth? I mean, do you try and get in early? Do you just uh, or do you just will it be the, the stock standard now that there's green zones and no problem? It now goes back to almost normal preparation and normal arrival. Well, we're probably more hopeful of that, but I'm sitting outside the club at the moment, and in these times, it's it's been quite strange to be honest. That we we still have. Uh, I mean, in, when I head inside, I'll have more of an understanding, but I go in today not knowing when we'll head to Perth, but. Um, hopeful to get over there a little bit earlier. Uh, I had a new uh, nephew join the party over there, so I wouldn't mind going over and seeing him first and then uh, worrying about the Dockers after that. Gee, more more potential Selwoods in the AFL down the track. <laughs> that should be something to keep an eye out for. Hey, mate, before we let you go, and it's been wonderful to, uh, to uh, have you on the show and to get your thoughts, um, we've been talking about we started about Ash Barty. Obviously, that's become now an iconic moment in Australian sport. And we've been giving, going through uh, our top three Australian sporting moments in history. We won't get your top three, mate, but is there one moment that you reflect on as uh, something iconic, something that you just saw or heard about or read about and just couldn't believe? Oh, there's probably one of your centuries that... Yes, see, no, I won't go there. I'll go. Um, I'll go. I'll go to Sydney. Though. I'll go uh, Sydney Olympics. Kathy Freeman. Um, only because I was speaking about it the other day. The pressure and uh, what she was able to do was just next level. Um, and and still talk about it till the day, which is quite amazing. Yeah, appreciate your time. Fair appreciate call. your time, mate. Taking our call before going into the club. Again, we do appreciate it. We've made it public that you did assist the great man. He was getting very edgy about not getting Gary Ablett. He pumped it up. He said, my mate Joel's going to pull strings. And we had to go to Pickering. And then we had to go back to Selwood. And then he finally got him. And all we had to do was mention the Ablett wine. And we got him across yeah, the line. There we were. There we were. Uh, I, hope he, I hope he sent some across. Well, we know the Sydney Swans caused a major upset in their red and white over the Western Bulldogs on the weekend. But... There's another Swans team wears red and white, and they are on an uncanny winning streak. And I'm talking of the Yapoon Swans in Queensland, and their president is Peter Watkins, and he's been kind enough to join us. Peter, thanks for joining us on Sporting Goss here in WA. What a milestone. 100 consecutive wins. It's uh, it's uh, something that you'd never imagine, I guess. Um, uh, but yeah, no. So on Sunday we uh, we kicked over the hundred, raised the bat. Um, <laughs> the uh, the national and uh, all time record is eighty nine, which we actually took at last year's grand final. Um, uh, we played a ten round season last year because of COVID, um, and we're eleven games in this year. So yeah, it is incredible. Why have you had so much success? Are you good? Or the opposition not so good. Yeah, no. Look, I think we'd surprise people just how probably good we are. We've got a a, a really good club structure. Um, we've uh, got a people would be surprised if I can tell you exactly what sort of football we play here in terms of Aussie rules, given the fact that we're in rugby league heartland. I mean, the six clubs in the competition, um, and and each club puts nine teams on the on the field every week. Um, 
which, uh, as I said, in central Queensland is pretty remarkable in lots of ways. But, yeah, we've, our, our boys have got a very professional attitude, had a great coaching structure, and, um, yeah, it, uh, and they certainly work hard. First things first, uh, for our listeners here in WA, where is your poon in, you talked about central Queensland, how far from Brisbane town? Uh, about 700 k's north of Brisbane and about 700 k's south of Townsville. Um, so we're about halfway. We're on the coast. Rockhampton's the, the biggest major centre and that's about 40 k's inland from where we are. The only thing I know about Yapoon is I think you've got a racetrack there and uh, you have the Yapoon Gallops, but now I know the Yapoon Swans. I'm pretty happy. You're in a rugby league heartland, so uh, this is breaking down barriers. Uh, one would imagine, you talk about nine teams, uh, so nine teams in each club in six-team competition. One would say that the sport is absolutely thriving in Yapoon and the and surrounding districts. Yeah, it, it does well. I mean, um, and so does rugby league, don't get me wrong. Um, but, um, you know, as I said, so we put a sevens, nines, elevens, 13s, 15s, 17s, a resis, an A grade, and a women's side on the on the deck each week. Um, uh, we play against two clubs from uh, uh, from the Port Curtis end, one Gladstone and, Boyne, and the other one Boyne Island, Town and Sands, and then there's uh, three clubs in the Rocky area region. So yeah, it, it does pretty well. It's, it's it's a hard slog at times. Don't get me wrong, but but uh, but we get there. Peter Watkins, our guest, Yapoon Swans president. They've reached a, a milestone of 100 consecutive wins. In that time, Pete, just off the top of your head, have many of the games been close? Has there been any sort of one-pointers or anything like that, or have they normally been pretty decisive? Uh, they've been pretty decisive, particularly the, the latter the latter four or five years um, in most cases. But there's, uh, there's a couple of clubs certainly challenging us again this year, um, and that's good. Um, I think it's good for the... For the comp, but I guess generally it's been uh, it's been pretty uh, significant margins. We're pretty proud. Most of our uh, most of our players are, are all come through our own junior junior program. There's certainly a few uh, uh, people that have moved in and out of town. But I think one of the big parts is is we're actually 40 years old, or we were last year, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, and our backbone of this club are probably the oh, sorry this success have probably been really the first generation of kids that started playing. Aussie rules when they're seven or eight or ten, ten year old. Whereas prior to that, uh, a lot of them might have been converts or have moved in from other areas or, or whatever. So I think that's a big part of. That. But as I said, the professionalism of the boys and they certainly get into it. And, I was reading, and it's and it's been really good for our community. Yeah, no doubt. I was reading online and I, this is sort of a snapshot. So the winning streak goes back six years. Three prime ministers, two coaches. Multiple players, longest streak in Aussie history. Um, go back even further. COVID wasn't around. Donald Trump was just a businessman. Muhammad Ali was still alive. And a woman had never ridden the winner of a Melbourne Cup. I read that online. It sort of sums up what you've done in that six-year, 100-game space. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, as I said, but it's been a long time work in progress. Um, I mean, I've, I've been president for 11 years and uh, and was vice president for a long time prior to that. I mean, it's been a lot of lot of lot of work, but as I said, the boys really put in, and they and they're enthused, and uh, and they really get a kick out of playing footy and playing footy together. I suppose the players themselves don't want to be a part of the team that is part of the losing team. <laughs> they're the one. That's the that's the that's the one hanging over their head. We all know that that's inevitable someday, but uh, the the further away it is, the better. <laughs> uh, one would imagine that when you have success, that brings. Members, supporters, sponsors. Tell us a bit about 
your crowd numbers, your membership base and, and some of your sponsors that have probably been on board. And I'm sure when you get national publicity that like you're receiving for this 100-game milestone, that can only be a good thing for the club going forward. Absolutely. Um, um, our uh, local businesses uh, are absolutely unbelievable in terms of how they support us. And, and we've had major sponsors now with us for, for 15 or 16 years, um, which, is, which is great. Um, we don't. Uh, we, we, you know, we do all the field preparations. All the facilities are all owned, you know, owned and developed by ourselves. Um, we don't have the cantles and mow the lawns and the, the, the fields and, and that sort of thing. We do all of that by volunteers. Everything's done by volunteers. Um, and uh, and so to have the whole community and, and as I said, those sponsors behind us and they've been with us for a long time. Um, the, the the whole community gets behind us, I guess. Um, and uh, the good news in terms of crowds. Um, we get solid crowds of a few hundred at, at most home games. Um, yeah, we have a, a reasonably loyal following. Um, and to give you an idea, the grand final last year, we hosted the grand final for the very first time. Uh, it was our chance to host the grand final. And that was, it was rather unique because um, um, it was our 40th year anniversary as a club. And, and we also took the, the national and world record then at, at, of 89. But we had 3,000 people wow. at the footy. So that's uh, not bad. Uh, who's Matty Wallen when he's at home? <laughs> Bit of a legend. Um, he's been captain the entire year, the period. He uh, he's a very good footballer. He, uh, he he started playing football when he was sort of nine or ten year old here. Uh, he's uh, he's in his uh, he's hit the thirty mark a bit over. Um, his father was an actual fact our coach for for the entire eighty nine um, record games. He's um, he retired, believe it or not, at the end of uh, of last year. And uh, what's a real credit to him, uh, our girls were struggling, uh, our women's team, and uh, and he's taken up coach of the women's this year, the women's team. So, uh, but Matt, Matt's uh, Matt's been a stalwart of the club, and and he's a life member already. And uh, yeah, he uh, he's done he's done a great deal, and it's full credit to him. Peter Watkins, our guest on man. Sporting Goss, your Poon Swans president, uh, a team 700k south of Townsville, 700k's north of Brisbane, and uh, they are on an unbeaten winning streak. They've had won 100 games in a row over there. Um, look, this is a long stretch. Have you had any boys come through your team that have gone on to play at a better level? Uh, we've certainly got a few that have gone to uh, Brisbane and, and, and played in uh, AFL Queensland. Uh, quite a few that have that have done that. Um, and uh, and we've certainly got a, a crop of juniors here at the moment that have um, certainly going through that period now. We've had uh, we had boys down there on the weekend that were playing um, in at AFLQ level at various levels, and we we encourage it and uh, look forward to to those kids getting the opportunity. We haven't had anybody get to the draft yet, but um, um, we will. I'm sure we will. No doubt about that. And just last one for you, Pete. You talked about the women's game and, and the fact that Matt Wallen Sr. has taken up the coaching and, and you've got a women's team there. What about the growth of the AFL in uh, in the women's sector over there uh, in your area? Uh, is that, so you're telling me that every of the, all six clubs have got women's teams? Absolutely. We are actually uh, the longest-running uh, women's competition, I think, certainly outside of Brisbane, and I think there was only a handful in Brisbane when we started. So we were actually in our 12th season, um, full season, and we had a practice run season prior to that with a women's comp uh, in this league. Um, and, uh, and we've got a, an under-16s uh, comp that um, they hold sort of just a... You know, we, we're two and a half hours from our... Uh, from, we're at the northern end, I guess, of the league, and it's two and a half hours to, uh, 
to the southern end of the league, and I know a lot of WO be sort of travelling similar distances. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to sort of get everything in on the one day. But we do have an under 16s, but we have a lot of kids. Girls are allowed to play in the boys competition uh, or the mixed competition, I guess it is until uh, until they're 14 year old. So we have a lot of girls playing in that under sevens, nines, elevens, thirteens category uh, across all the clubs. And um, and there's some very good footballers. We've um, there's not not from our club, but certainly from other clubs in the league. There's been uh, girls go through and play in the state league comp, and even be uh, on the edge. Certainly have been drafted. There's a couple of girls that have played for the Brisbane Lions and whatever from other clubs in the region. Fantastic. Hey, mate, it is a great story, and it's a story that you should be incredibly proud of, of a football club, of an area, of a region. 100 consecutive wins by the Yapoon Swans up there. When's your next game, mate? Who's the next uh, lamb to the slaughter for the Swannies? <laughs> yeah, I think they're, they're probably the second best uh, club in the in the league this year. Glenmore, we got them on Sunday at home, and, uh, and they'll be raring and, and keen to have a go, but uh, our boys are waiting for them. Good on you, mate. Appreciate your time. All the very best. It's a wonderful culture. It is a great part of, of course, the AFL when it comes to teams up in Queensland. And you talk about you're a long way from Brisbane town and from the main threshold of AFL country, but you're doing a wonderful service for the competition and the game in general. 100 consecutive wins to the Yapoon Swans. Appreciate your time and thanks for joining us, Peter. Brilliant, mate. Thank you. That's Peter Watkins. He's the Yapoon Swans president. Look them up. Look them up on their social medias. They are dead set. Uh, History-breaking, record-making AFL football club. 100 consecutive wins. You don't get that very often nowadays. This is the Sporting Goss. Welcome back on this wet Monday, 19 past 11. You're listening on SENWA on the app. Of course, you might be podcasting and listening back to it. And also down in Bunbury on SEN Spirit 621. Boys, I think you need to get the great man David Mundy on the Friday Focus with Gilly if you haven't already. No, we haven't. What a great player. Just like a good bottle of red. Just gets better with age. Um, good to see you have a new co-host in Sporting Goss, says Michael Palmyra. Yeah, well, we're just back to truck up there, Mike, okay? Uh, check the fixture, Goss. Essendon in the eight this time next week and won't go out. Okay, they've got North Melbourne next. Oh, right, there you go. And we need Starsky back in the team. That's Hutch, um, Mark Hutchings. The Hutch, seriously, this guy destroyed Steel Sidebottom in two finals. He's had 30 and three goals. Seriously, if he's not picked versus Adelaide, there is something wrong. 0487736736. And 1312.55 if you wish to call. The Bucks 120 have beaten the Suns 100 games three of the NBA finals. And Giannis Antetokounmpo is the third player in NBA Finals history with a 40-point double-double in back-to-back games. He joins LeBron James in 2016 and the Shaq back in 2000. Bring a rain jacket if you're coming to the venue, of course, tonight. Don't bring an umbrella. You won't be allowed to bring it in. Matthew Pavlich was on the show this morning with Gilly and Goss. He's on every Monday. And this is his best work. Daryl from Kingsley would like to uh, ask a question, which we will put to Matthew Pavlich, and Pav is listening. But, Daryl, good morning to you. You got a question for the great Pav, who's about to join us for Kia. Yes, I was just wondering, with the Michael Walters situation, there's been a lot of debate about where he's been played and where his preferred position is. Would you entertain, possibly, at the end of the season, going up to him, have a couple of conversations, if you're just among you, and say... We're going to try and put you up for trade to try and better our position in the trade 
and also get a home view that you may may be able to play your preferred position in the middle. All righty, there question. it is there. That's Derry. That's a good question, Daryl from Kings. There's been a lot of talk about the future. He did play better on the weekend, I must admit. Uh, we'll find out more from Pav. For Kia Sorento, drive car of the year. Don't forget that seven-seat Kia Sorento on a very wet and windy day. And don't forget we have got footy here at the stadium tonight, 5.40 here, all the action on AFL Nation. If you're coming to the ground, SEN Stadium app. Pav, uh, you would have heard the question from Daryl. Um, Michael Walters' future beyond this year is he tradable? Do you keep him? What do you reckon that will be going through the mo- head of uh, of Justin Longmuir and the uh, Fremantle Dockers staff? Well, the the coach. Uh, good morning, gents. Nice to uh, hear, hear, hear your dulcet tones in my ears. Um, look, the the coach will be just focused on getting him to play his best football. And on the weekend, um, he did he did that. He had twenty one disposals, kicked the goal, um, and at thirty years of age and, and being an All Australian, I think that's what they're focused on. On field, um, I can understand the the talk about it. Um, let, let's be frank; he hasn't have had the best season, uh, Michael Walters. But we we know how important he is. He's a young leader down there. Um, well, sorry, he's, he's a leader down there he's, um, to those younger players at Frio. Um, and look, at 30 years of age, and as someone who has great talent like Michael Walters does, both in the forward line and up around the ball when he gets that opportunity, I think uh, I think any talker trades a uh, a bit silly um, at this point in time. Yeah. Good morning, Pav. So, what what is his best position at the moment, given age, given where he's at in his career? Where should he be spending most of his time? Oh, I think in the forward line, and, and this is yeah. The, I think a lot of the debate comes um, around Michael Walters is where's his best um, you know area of the ground. He's a forward who can play in the midfield. Uh, he's not a midfielder who. Who can play in the in the forward line, if that makes sense? Uh, his his best football is around the half forward flank, and that can be starvation corner at times, um, particularly when the midfield aren't humming. But now you've got the likes of Brayshaw, Sabrong, uh, Chera to match, you know, sort of the the, the age um, and experience of Mundy and Fife and and the, the the rocketing career that is Sean Darcy in the ruck. I mean, that that is an elite midfield that that group of players, and then you put in the likes of Aish and and Tucker and and, uh, and Acres and, and a few others that go from sort of half back to the wing. That that is becoming a pretty uh, pretty deep midfield um, and a really encouraging side for Freo if they can keep all those players together. Chera is the one obviously that they need to sign up longer term, but that's a great mix in the midfield, um, and that's why Michael Walters should be playing on a half forward flank and playing a little bit of time in the midfield when he can, um, and swapping with the likes of. Of Nat Fife, um, I know Fife who doesn't like playing up in the forward line, but I think he needs to get his head around the fact that uh, he and Michael Walters in a double act, both in the midfield and in the forward line, can be a really strong feature because they're the ones with the talent, um, you know, real genuine talent, which matches sort of the hard grunt and, and work in, in that midfield uh, area. Have we've opened it up to our listeners to get in touch with us either on our socials and or give us a call this morning. And uh, we've still got to... Well, we're going to get your best player out of the Fremantle game for the Repco Player of the Round, of course. For expert car service, you can rely on visit repcoservice.com. We still have a game tonight. So who has to... Uh, what's the, Where's the benchmark set in regards to uh, who your best player is going to be for the weekend action? This is Mike from Palmyra. He's a dyed-in-the-wool Dockers man. He said, morning, boys. Can you please ask Pav his opinion whether Chera will be staying or going and in his opinion? And if traded, would you be aiming for a Shea Bolton or a Jordan Clark be an option to get back in return, plus probably a few picks? Um, I think Adam Chera is going to stay. I do. I, uh, I have a, uh, I mean, 
all this talk is that he, as as the year goes and as um, the, the end of the season nears, everyone's sort of saying that he's going to go. I sort of have the the contrary view. I think he'll stay, Adam Chera, and that's for no other reason that um, they're building something pretty impressive down there at Fremantle, and, and I think he wants to be a part of that. Um, it may not be the, the four-year or five-year longer-term deal that everyone at Fremantle would like him to sign, but it might be a shorter contract. But um, I think he'll stay, and I think he should stay. Um, you know, get himself to that free agency window and then he can make that call. Um, in terms of trading and all that, Freo should absolutely still go after the likes of Clark and Bolton and all those players um, from Perth or from Western Australia and get them home and, and play for, for the Dockers. But, uh, yeah, I think Adam Chera, I think they should fight as hard as they can to keep Adam Chera. He's a really good young person and he's, a, he's an improving player. And I think if he... If he gets that really strong grit and determination in his game, he can be an absolute superstar of the AFL competition. Yeah, I don't know what you think, Pat, but three-year deals is probably a perfect length of time for both parties, yeah. isn't it? If you go six years, complacency can come in, you can get stuck with a player. Three years keeps people hungry, keeps both sides interested at the table. But uh, but uh, I would imagine Sean Darcy would have been setting the benchmark so far as player of the round, Pav. He was outstanding. He was he? very good again, wasn't he? And by the way, Kelly, completely agree. I think three or four years is is absolutely long enough. These, you know, five—it's really six, seven years. I, I find a bit baffling. I get them in terms of the free agency windows and and all the things that uh, have have come into play more recently. But I think it's ridiculous, um, frankly, that the players are getting these these longer term deals. I mean, if a buddy, frankly, it kind of works in terms of you know luring someone like that up to. To mm. Sydney for nine, nine or ten years, but everyone else um, stick to the, the four, four max five-year deals. Um, Sean Darcy was fantastic on the weekend. He was another twenty-five disposals, sixteen of them contested possessions, and a number of contested marks. Um, David Mundy, Nat Fife in, in game two hundred, he was a star. That midfield group really got it done for free, and it gave the likes of Lobb and, and Tracy and Blake um, uh, and Bally Banfield and a few others a real mm. opportunity up forward, but. I'm going to go with Caleb Sarong. He was my yeah, okay. best on the weekend. Uh, 17 contested possessions, the most out there. Uh, 10 clearances and 30 touches. I thought he his work in the midfield was was outstanding. Sean Darcy, unlucky because <laughs> he, he took so many contested marks. But uh, yeah. going to give it to, to number three, Caleb Sarong. All right, so Caleb Sarong. So that's the benchmark set for any Eagle tonight. Don't forget, that's for repcoservice.com. Book in at Port Kennedy Automotive Service in Port Kennedy, your local Repco Authorised Service Centre. Uh, two questions, one off the text, wanting to say, um, Pav, the cards fell Fremantle's way. This is from Marty. The cards fell Fremantle's way on the weekend for the top eight with the Giants losing and Richmond mm. losing. Um, yeah. They couldn't have got a better weekend out of it. Well, it's a, probably a question for Marty and for you, Gillian Goss. Who uh, did you get any uh, all of your tips right? I mean, there was upsets everywhere on the weekend. Um, I think St Kilda beating the Lions by thirty-two points. Um, Gold Coast just getting over the Giants. Uh, Collingwood, of course, beating Richmond. Robert Harvey's yeah. happy with his first win, and uh, and the Swans. I mean, you know, that, that, that was an upset over the Bulldogs, even though they're they're two. Uh, teams vying for the top four. I think that was an upset as well. So good luck. Well done if you got all your uh, all your tips right of the weekend. And you're right, uh, Marty's spot on. He um, there were a lot of great results for Fremantle. Um, St Kilda looked like they're the form team of the competition. So it's amazing how quickly <laughs> things turn. And now West Coast tonight, they just have to win um, to maintain their spot in the eights. They go to seventh if they win tonight. They should win, and, and, and they will win against North Melbourne. Just looking at their lineup. 
Um, you know, sort of looking at their team balance. This is their best team, I think, that they've put out there this year since um, the early parts of the season when everyone was fit and available. And they're coming together in terms of their list, in terms of their availability at the right time of the year. The problem is, right now, their form is atrocious and they just really need to, to start well tonight in the wets. Um, and maybe a wet, tough, tight, contested game is exactly what they need at this point in time to, to get them back into the, the, uh, the way and the brand that they'd like to play. Matthew Pavlich here. Last one before we let you go for the seven-seat Kia Sorento. Just been crowned Drive Car of the Year. You may have seen, you may have heard, uh, we spoke to Nat Fife on the team bus heading to the airport to fly to Tassie. He made mention of having to turn back unsolicited. Mm. We didn't ask him for a headline. We didn't ask him to say something controversial. But he turned around and said, we've had to go back and do a loop to get Alex Pierce, who missed the bus, missed the head count because he loves a good sleep. Pav, is that the first time you've heard that or did it happen in your 350-odd games? No, it used to happen all the time with uh, <laughs> with a few players. Jeff Farmer was a repeater offender. Uh, Paul Medhurst. Um, yeah, uh, actually, I reckon Justin Longmuir, the head coach, might have missed the bus once or two oh, twice uh, in his time. So, um, uh, look, at it, but it's funny, isn't it? Like, you know, what's, what's team protocol and what's the... What's the standards you want to set? Um, you know, some some of my coaches that I had were, were harder on those sort of things. You know, the bus doesn't wait if you if you miss the bus, you know, get to the game or get to training on your own steam. Um, so yeah, sort of more of that harder line, which might be down the the JL Justin um, Langer route, Gilly, uh, and other coaches yeah. would sort of like, oh, you know, stuff happens and you you move on, jump on the bus, and and we we get going. So it's really interesting to see that team dynamic under Justin Longmuir evolving. Where where's his teammates? You know, you're only as good as the bloke at the back of the pack. Someone should have been banging on his door, got in there and Correct. ripped him out. And you don't. That's that's teamwork. That you can't. You, I'm sorry. You know, mm. All take responsibility. Maybe they there. maybe they were a bit fed up. Maybe they were fed up with uh, <laughs> Big Alex Pierce. They wanted to set an example. Come on, mate. Yeah. <laughs> you're a leader. <laughs> Tenth well, time. Scott Lysett, yeah. Scott Lysett missed the uh, bus from after winning the 2018 premiership uh, for the West Coast Eagles oh, well. as well. And he got on the bus, and then 10 minutes later, his uh, premiership medal arrived. Um, <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> There's Fair a story enough. behind that, let me tell you. All righty. Hey, Pav, thank you. Uh, see you at the footy tonight. Stay dry. It's absolutely teeming down as we speak. That's impossible, but looking forward to being there. Thanks, boys. Yeah, <laughs> buddy. Well, disappointing performance on Saturday night at RAC Arena for the West Coast Fever, and I was sitting alongside in commentary Sue Gordian, who, of course, is with the Fever, but in a double role is a commentator with the Wide World of Sports. Sue, um, that was a pretty flat effort. I know they were playing a team that's in the top four, but they just didn't reach any great heights. The Fever. Uh, what's your what was your wash up from it? Yeah, I think the word flat seems to be the the, the word that everyone I've spoken to uh, said that they, as a, as a fan, that the, the team looked flat, the crowd felt flat, the whole thing. So, look, it's a tough one. You make no excuses. The Lightning, in my opinion, played very clinical, clever netball. Uh, and I think, you know, in, if you look at it from a coaching perspective, the West Coast Fever have won seven straight. We've gone into the break. It's the second half of the year, and all teams like to look at you know, who they've got to come up against at the top. And so I guess, you know, a lot of teams are, are trying to break down how they're going to beat the fever. And, and for the Lightning on the weekend, they did just that. Yeah, very much so. Still uh, uh, miserly defence there, only five, conceding 542 goals, of course. And we've still got the Vixens have uh, conceded 543. May I ask, when's that game going to be played between the fever and the Vixens, the battle of the defences? 
Yeah, look, uh, we still don't know. I'm, I'm hoping it will be in the next two weeks and, and it's likely to end up having to be a midweek game because of the rescheduling of it. So certainly very tough for the West Coast Fever and for the Melbourne Dixons to have to now fit in a midweek game in amongst an already pretty tough schedule. But uh, all going to plan, that game will be on Perth home soil, which means the Fever won't need to travel. So, um, yeah, so I, I would imagine midweek this week we'll get some sort of confirmation. I'm so, I, I think it'll be within the next seven to ten days of that. Sue Gordian from the West Coast Fever is online. Sue, in the commentary you made mention of the lack of feed of the ball into, uh, of course, Janiel Fowler. And that's why you're the expert, and I'm just the battler who calls the play-by-play <laughs> because that was very much what the coach, Stacey Marinkovic, was very uh, disappointed with and spoke so openly about post-game. Yeah, look, uh, you know, for me, that was probably where the, the deal was broken for the Fever, but cleverly by their opposition in the Lightning. So, of course, you know that Janiel Fowler, the number one goal shooter in the world, and everyone's got to find a, a, a puzzle to solve when they play against her and... Uh, the Lightning certainly thought their way through about how they were going to do that. But for me, irrespective of that, I just thought that the Fever's attack looked like they lacked confidence to release the ball. And I felt like that at times they, they struggled to penetrate the circle edge. And that's always the best place to be when you're going to pop a ball in to the big Jamaican shooter. So certainly I imagine the Fever will be addressing that this week and having a look to see what they're capable of delivering. Second game in a row that Fowler has sat down, down the stretch, obviously trying to get some uh, two-point shots. You were a little bit surprised that she was benched on Saturday night. How does a player like Janelle Fowler, one of the best in the world and really one of the absolute bona fide superstars of this competition and arguably the, you know, the best player the Fever have got, so to speak, um, how do they react to that? I mean, do they, do they confront the coach after that or do you just have to suck it up, Princess? Yeah, you know, like it's a really good call, isn't it? Because she's not used to, to riding the plank. But the reality of the Fever is no player is bigger than the team and Janelle would understand that. Last week... Uh, sorry, in the round prior when the Fever lost to the Swifts, it was in that last part of that quarter where the coach Marinkovic called that change. And, and of course, it was to great fruition, you know, with Glasgow and Alice Teague Neal bombing four super shots straight and bringing the scoreline back to the one-goal deficit. So, of course, that dice was rolled again, Fowler to the bench. Mm. Um, but it didn't work. And, and I think, for me, the reason why I felt that probably wasn't the right call in the moment was because we weren't utilising Fowler. And I felt that could have been the fix. I felt like we needed to have some confidence to release the ball to her. Once you do that, defence decides to change their structures. And I think that could have been the thing for me. But, you know, at the end of the day, that's the beauty of Fever at the moment. We've got an extraordinary bench to go to in terms of Glasgow and Teague Neal. Couldn't quite get it done under the pressure on Saturday night. But certainly in terms of depth and option, that's the growth of this team this year. Chance to bounce back Saturday night against the Thunderbirds? Well, we've only just found out this morning it won't be the Thunderbirds. It's now the Firebirds. So in a roll of the dice by the league, uh, first thing that's just, just woken up to this news this morning, that round 14 fixture has been moved to round 11 and switched. So the West Coast Fever will be at home, as per usual at RAC Arena, but our opponent has changed. And we now come up against the Firebirds. And that is a tough ask for the West Coast Fever. So it's going to be a big week on the track for the club. And they're going to have to come out all guns blazing because the Firebirds have been a tough side for the Fever. They got them 
uh, in the beginning of this season. But, uh, yeah, certainly coming off two losses, they're going to have to find some form, some confidence uh, and some real aggression to play this side. Here it is there, breaking news. The West Coast Fever will now take on the Firebirds, not the Thunderbirds, Saturday night at RAC Arena. Do you need a hug or are you OK? <laughs> Oh, look, I was pretty tired over the weekend. And maybe, you know, maybe the reflection of how I'm feeling is a little bit about how the entire club's feeling at the moment. This, this COVID situation, you know, as I say, it's every, everyday life for people. But, you know, certainly for our jobs, Goss, it's, it's tough. You're flying in and out. Every team's got different circumstances at the moment. So you can't judge anyone's circumstances compared to your own. But I certainly felt... Very tired on the weekend, and uh, I've, I've woken up better this morning. I'm raring to go on a Monday, but uh, yeah, I welcomed, I welcomed Sunday yesterday, my bed and the TV. Well, your flat is everyone else's peak, so uh, you very hard to keep a, a good woman down. Well done to you. Uh, thanks for joining thanks, us, Tom. and thanks for breaking that news. There it is there. The West Coast Fever are taking on the Firebirds Saturday night, not the Thunderbirds, so there's been a switch of fixtures all because of COVID. Great that Sue Gordian from the West Coast Fever could join us here on the Sporting Goss. That's just the emotion from the Barty family watching in Queensland as their daughter became a Wimbledon champion. There's been lots of chat about the wonderful family that is the Bartys. And someone who knows Ash Barty and the family well is our own Casey Delacqua. Played a lot of doubles with Ash Barty, in particular on her return to tennis after a small break away from the game. This was Casey Delacqua on Nine's Wide World of Sports. I think this is a real moment for me to um, to acknowledge Ash's parents, Josie and Rob, and I think um, they are just the most beautiful parents. And I think to all pa- parents out there that have kids in sport, take a look um, at Josie and Rob and how they have raised their daughter. She's got. Two sisters as well that she's extremely close with, and I know FaceTimes them a lot. I didn't think I was going to do this. That's good. Yeah. Oh, no, it's amazing. Um, but I do. I really want to say to Josie and Rob, congratulations for not only raising a great tennis player, but a great human being. And I I think that's um, something that I I really want to get across because Ash is, she respects um, everyone around her. Um, From the moment I met her, she said her pleases and thank yous and all those little things that are really, really important um, in life, um, not just in sport. So to Josie and Rob and the whole Barty family, uh, congratulations and enjoy the moment. Yeah, Casey Delacqua on the Barty family after Ash, of course, taking out the Wimbledon singles crown. And then you got this, and there's a real message in this comment made by Yelena Dokic on the family support. Have a listen. She's incredible. She is, and I just want to get this out before I fall apart, so give me 15 seconds. I want to give a shout-out to her parents, obviously, Robert and Josie, because people underestimate the importance of family. She talks about that all the time. As someone who, ha- who didn't have that support, it is so important. This will set an example for parents in Australia and, and around the world, not how, just to raise, not, not, not how to raise a champion, but a genuinely wonderful human being. This is how you support them, you don't pressure them, you're there for them, and this is why she's there. So big shout-out to them. Well done. Beautiful. Great words. And Yelena Dokic has a book out too if you're interested, but uh, it sort of sums up that really difficult journey she had as a tennis player with her family or lack of family support. This morning on Gillian Goss, we spoke to the head of the Fed Cup, of course, the captain of the Fed Cup, and heading over to Tokyo for the Games, our very own Alicia Mollick. 
just describe to us how did how did you feel? What did it mean to you seeing Ash Barty uh, lift up that trophy? I think it, um, it has to. Well, for me, it felt I think the same as every other um, you know Australian. I'm so incredibly um, proud of Ash, but not just the way in which she was able to win and overcome. Pushkavira in the final, but I think the way she's carried herself throughout, you know, Wimbledon and even, you know, the, the 18 months preceding. I mean, she didn't play all of last year and just goes to show what a, a true champion she is, what a humble champion. I think it's something that um, sporting crowds are sort of craving in this day and age as well. And obviously the extra significance with Yvonne um, Gulagon Corley. And I think that the part about it I loved most was Ash said it herself, took a lot of years for her, even though she won junior Wimbledon at 15 took a lot of years for herself to verbalise. It was a tournament that she wanted to win. Um, yeah, just incredible. I, mean, I think she's still in disbelief herself from um, the messages I've been getting. But I will be catching up with her today and having a chat. Just thought I'd let her have a breather yesterday and, and enjoy it. <laughs> ah, brilliant stuff. Now, we saw Casey Delacqua, who was involved in the television coverage, basically break down and cry because more so to the point where she talked about how important it was of the upbringing that she's had and, and how what it means to the normality of the family and the parents and the and the siblings and the like like that. It's a very normal existence she leads, but at the same time is she's probably now our, one of our greatest ever Australian sports people. Oh, it's, it's incredible. I'm winning two slams now. I think that's, you know, getting that second slam off her back. I mean, often... You know, in the press, if someone wins one, it's always the question mark over it looms over their head. Can they win a second? But, gosh, you refer to her family and, and upbringing, and I have to say that that's a big part of Ash's success. They keep everything incredibly normal. This is a different year. She hasn't been able to return home and spend time with her family like other years and get on the golf course and do all that type of thing. But they're incredibly supportive. At the same time, there's no pressure. They give her the space. Um, her family is certainly not all over her at, at grandson events or travel with her to, to all the tournaments. We have to give a big shout out to um, Craig Tizer too. He's done some incredible work. It's, it's not normal for Ash to be away this period of time. So many ups and downs, the injury at the French Open too. So um, he's played a, a massive part in her career. It was only four years ago that she was outside the top 250. Look at her now. It's just um, absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, it was only five years ago she was playing in the women's BBL. So that uh, shows the yeah. versatility of her. I think that yeah. the point you make about family too, Yelena Dockage was beautifully spoken about that. And we clearly know her story, backstory is so different to Ashes. So it's uh, the, that family has played a, a huge part. What about the uh, in and around the Fed Cup or an Olympic team? What's her involvement? What sort of role does she take on it? And, and what are you looking forward to in, in your role uh, in that position? Well, I think, um, Kelly, the first thing I have to say is Ash, is, when she's in a team environment, I don't think she feels, or certainly from my perspective, I don't think she has the, the, the sense or the aura or the air about her that she's any more important than the other players. She's happy to practice with everyone. Um, she's very generous with her time. I know that when she's um, around her teammates and particularly when she's back in her home environment in Queensland and Brisbane. She's often practising with a lot of the juniors. And in fact, over um, December, November, December, January, one of her um, practice partners was Olivia Gadecki, one of our Australian juniors who started to pick up and have some great results too. So I think Ash is conscious of the impact that she's making on um, the younger generation. I think it rubs off as well on her senior teammates. I mean, Dari Gavrilova tweeted, I want to be like you, Ash, when I grow up, you know. Um, you know, on her Instagram, it's, it's, it's kind of true. Um, yeah. You know, if Ash can do it, it probably means, 
you know, Dasha, Isla Tomljanovic getting to the quarterfinal. If Ash can do it, they know her incredibly well. She's so humble. She's so normal. You know, they can sort of almost steal a bit of that success and ride on her coattails as well. But she is pretty normal. One thing I have to say about Ash too is from a very young age, she's always made really, um, I think, sensible decisions with her career. So even when she did have that break, she played a bit of cricket. She she came back and she started off playing a lot of doubles events. She didn't jump straight into singles and try and play a huge events. So it was a real sort of gradual process for her. So that's just showing maturity yeah. in itself, I think. Last one before we let you go. When do you go over there? No crowds over there. It's all going to be very different. It's going to be very, uh, I don't know, stale, but there's still a gold medal up for grabs. Yeah, it's look, it'll be a different environment. I'm feeling for the first-time Olympians. They're the ones who... We'll go there and, and compete without the crowds. But it has to go ahead, doesn't it? I mean, the Olympics give hope to so many people right around the world. You know, the, the young kids who are aspiring, um, you know, athletes and, and generations. So it'll be different. But I think we've, we've got one of our biggest teams ever in tennis, um, which is pretty significant in itself. So if you think Ash is going to be celebrating hard for the next month because she's won Wimbledon, she won't be because she's straight off to Tokyo, I think, at the end of this week. But it's exciting um, and a, definitely a gold medal up for grabs for Ash. But... Um, yeah, exciting times ahead. It's just going to be very, very different. Living in a bit of a bubble, I head off this Friday as well, flying to Tokyo, which I'm actually looking forward to um, getting out of Australia and, and seeing some more live tennis. I feel like I've been watching it on the box for such a long time. So really exciting, Goss. It's uh, one with the whale sharks? Uh, no, <laughs> no, I saw plenty of whales. We went on a whale spotting tour yesterday with the kids, which was quite phenomenal. So, yeah. um, a nice spot up here, Exmouth. Gosh, I think we we'll, can't get in for next July, though, so don't, don't even try and book. <laughs> Thanks for taking our call. It's unbelievable. Uh, enjoy Tokyo. Thanks for yeah. taking our call. And uh, we are all, of course, uh, part of this wonderful journey of Ash Party, but you more so, Alicia. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Thanks guys. Thanks for your support. What a way to seal the deal as Min Woo Lee claims a second European Tour title and becomes a Rolex Series winner. It was an awesome day. I was pretty proud of the way I played. Um, six birdies in a row. That was, that was sweet. Uh, just kind of happened really quick. And then, um, you know, could have held a few more parts. I mean, uh, in regulation, I missed it by, you know, just a roll and... It was kind of painful, but, you know, we regrouped and, you know, it's, the tournament starts in the playoff pretty much. And love you! Love you! <laughs> love you too. Um, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. It was crazy. Minwoo Lee taking out the Scottish Open, of course, and that guarantees him a ticket into the Open Championship, one of the majors. Outstanding final day. Congratulations, and he pockets $1.7 million. We've been in touch with him. I think the celebrations were pretty hard. He was unavailable to come to the phone and uh, speak anything but Swahili, we think, but he was happy to text us, which was great. Minwoo Lee, congratulations to him. Hey, just a reminder, if you are coming to the stadium where we are right now, uh, if you are heading to Optus to listen and to watch West Coast and North Melbourne, just a reminder, you can listen now to the SEN Stadium call. All you have to do is download the SEN app and listen play-by-play, no delay. We give you the stats, we give you around the grounds, we give you breaking news, we give you injury updates, we give you anything that's happening so you just basically plug in, listen to our call, and you don't have to do a thing. Thanks to Alex for your work today on Gillian Goss and also, of course, on the Sporting Goss. And well done to our man, Special K, Chris Clefunas. <coughs> Pardon me. Coming up tomorrow, 
We'll hear from Adam Simpson. We'll hear from David Noble. We'll hear all the fallout from the West Coast Eagles in their dominant win tonight against North Melbourne. We'll also have, of course, Aaron Delaporte will join us. Always very, very good. Always very good with useless AFL stats. All things American sports star spangled banter. We'll talk about the Tour de France and we'll take your calls and your interests and your texts. Good luck to the Eagles tonight. Just a matter of the margin.